Welcome to the Just Culture Podcast. I'm Mary Jane. On this show, we are dedicated to creating a safe and just healthcare system. It's no secret to the public that the healthcare system is in a crisis. Nurses and doctors are being asked to take care of sicker patients than we've ever had before with less resources and hospitals are operating under a critical staffing shortage. Some hospitals don't even have the staff to stay open, let alone be profitable and care for their communities. This needs to stop. On this show, we are going to have the difficult conversations, take a look at where we're at, and also come up with solutions on how to fix this. Where do we go from here? How do we take care of our caregivers? How do we give our patients the best care? Those are the questions that we are interested in answering here each and every week. Hello and welcome to the Just Culture podcast with me, Mary Jane Duquette. Um, First of all, I want to say I'm getting over a cold. My voice is so much better than it was, but my apologies if I sound or start sounding like a dying frog. I'm doing the best that I can. Um, This episode this week, I had a conversation with a nurse recently and I thought it was very interesting and it got me thinking about what we're doing here, what this podcast is about um, and what the goal is, what what is the hope and dream that this podcast can bring to the world. So the conversation was, I was talking to a nurse and they said something like, your show is just like Joe Rogan's podcast, except for healthcare. And I'd never listened to the Joe Rogan podcast. I still haven't. All I know about him is that he is a top podcaster. His show is high on all of the charts. He's a lot of people. He has a lot of followers. A lot of people are listening to him. Um, So he's doing something right somewhere in the world. Um, And so I asked the nurse to tell me a little bit more. And the nurse said that the comparison, what it meant to them was that Joe Rogan's not afraid to tell people how he sees the world and he isn't afraid to talk about difficult topics and even ask difficult questions. He doesn't really care what people think and he brings topics to your attention and to the world that other people will run away from. And this nurse said that I was doing that exact thing except for healthcare. And for that comparison, I am publicly thanking you. Of course, of course, I'm here. I talk about things that go wrong in healthcare, and I bring many reasons why those things have gone wrong. I talk about what could have happened if they could have gone right, and I talk about what it would have taken to um, to fix the situation so that it would never happen again. That is, that's kind of how my brain works. I don't really. Um, see it as I'm doing anything special except letting you know what my mind is doing when I someone says that I have a lot of falls on my unit. My mind is going to all of those different places. And so I'm just sharing that with you. I know a lot of other people are thinking the same thing, but they don't dare to say it. Why don't they dare to say it? Well, if you're a nurse, you don't dare to tell your manager that you have concerns because, um, for many different reasons. Nurses feel, you know, you're going to work and you feel that you are doing your best. You're trying really hard. You're trying to go as fast as you can. You're trying to be as efficient as you can. 
You're trying to make sure you're staying safe. You're trying to make sure you're calculating those dosages quick enough. You are getting to everybody quick enough. You're assessing patients. You're doing your dressing changes as quickly as you can. You're just trying to be as fast and efficient and smart and intelligent and kind and loving and caring as you possibly can, except it's never good enough. Except you haven't gotten to everybody. You haven't answered every call bell. You haven't accomplished every patient demand. You might have done your assessments. You might have charted. You might have passed your meds. But did you get time to sit with your patient who was crying because they were just diagnosed with cancer? Did you did you get enough time to sit with them because psychologically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, that's what they needed and you knew that and you didn't get a chance to do that? No. Did you get enough time to get to everybody's call bell when they said they had to go to the bathroom? Were you there within seconds? Um, were you there to anticipate their needs? No. Why? Because you were doing something else. When Grandma Susie called and said she had to go to the bathroom. You might have been with Grandpa Joe. And you were getting Grandpa Joe to the bathroom and you had to wait until Grandpa Joe was safe so that you could go to Grandpa Susie and get her to the bathroom safely. And Grandpa Susie was mad at you because Grandpa Susie wanted you there 10 minutes ago. And that's never enough. And you never feel enough. And when you go to your manager, you're not actually, most of the time, I have worked with managers who do really well at this. That's why I'm here today because I know it's possible, right? I'm not here today because I think we're beating our heads up against a wall. I'm here today because I know that there are people out there that are doing this. And I know that there are people out there that just might not know that it can be done. And so they're not doing it. But I know some nurses are going to take that those feelings to their manager and they're going to say, this feels impossible. I don't feel like I can do everything. I can't get it all done. I'm this is these expectations are just not humanly possible. Some managers are going to say, "Oh my gosh, let's sit down, let's talk about it. What's happening? What's going on? How can I support you?" Other managers are going to say, "What do you mean you can't? I have 14 other nurses on the unit on that same shift and can do everything themselves. They're not in here. They're not in here right now. You're in here by yourself. So, what is wrong with you?" Are you not fast enough? Do we? Do you need to have better time management skills? Should you really be a nurse? Is nursing right for you? Is this the right profession for you? Um, maybe you need to prioritize your priorities. Maybe, um, maybe you need to take a look at your yourself and your training, and basically put the blame on the nurse that it's all the nurse's fault, and just feed into this cycle of I'm not enough. You go to your you go somewhere for help. You go, the only place that you know you can go is to your leaders to say, I'm feeling, I don't know what's happening. Help me. And they just say, well, it's you. It's you. You are not enough. They're validating that. And then you go through this cycle and cycle and cycle. And it's really bad for nurses, for their mental health. And if you don't have a great leader, if you don't have strong leadership, maybe your leader can't fix the problem for you. Maybe it is that you're a newer nurse, this is your first, you know, within your first couple of years, time management is insane, right? It's really hard. You're, you have to actively think about everything that you're doing. You have to actively go through the motions in your mind as well as your body to do these assessments. Nothing is second nature to you. Everything is very fresh and working out time management is really, really difficult. I teach new students 
um, students in nursing school. And one of the main things I'm teaching them is time management. You know, you're learning these things that you're doing in school and I'm teaching you how to apply them. And part of that is time management. So if you came to me and time management really was the issue, I'm not going to blame you for it. I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, okay. Well, if you're struggling with time management, how can I support you? How can I support you? Let's walk through a shift. What are you doing? I'm going to do my best to teach you. Do I need to set you up with a mentor? Do Is there a class that might that we can offer that you can go to? Um, how can I, how can I help you be better? That's a different way. That's a different attitude to have than, well, it's just time management. Work on that. Get out of here. Of course, if they were, if they could do that, they just would. Right. So it all comes down to really leadership. So I'm talking about the truth. I'm talking about what healthcare is like. I'm talking about the conditions that healthcare professionals are being expected to work in and the safety issues that come along with that. Not because I want to shame anybody, not because I want nurses um, to have more money or to have more days off. I want to do this because patient safety is on the line. Because when my Nana was in the hospital, she fell and it was because of all of these reasons that I talk about. I saw what could have done to prevent it. And I had worked in that hospital and I know firsthand that all of the things that led up to that fall, right? So if I know, if it was my Nana, your Nana is my Nana. And I'm just thinking about how, how can I keep that from happening? What can I do for my part? Am I going to make some people mad by calling out the issues that we want to keep behind a curtain and we don't want people to know? Yeah, of course I am. Of course I am. They're going to be mad at first. They're going to be mad, but I'm not going to go away and they're going to end up listening. And what they're going to hear is really what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to give you an example of um, real time situation that happened in on a unit I was working on. And I'm going to give you two separate examples of sort of the wrong way to handle it and the right way to handle it. And I want you to kind of see and feel the difference here um, and kind of understand. I think that will help understand really why it's so important to talk about the truth, right? People say that COVID, COVID is what changed healthcare. You know, nurses just got burnt down COVID and now they've just gone wild. They're striking. They're asking for more money. Um, no. The truth is COVID didn't change anything. COVID, this situation, we've been working under these circumstances for year, hundreds of years. Since the time of Florence Nightingale, right? She was called in to a hospital to, rec- to fix it because their staffing shortage was so bad. Patients were suffering and it was becoming a serious patient safety issue. And she was called in because of her expertise and because of who she was, she was called in to fix it because they knew that there was something about her that she could. And she's a nurse. And the truth is we can do anything because we are nurses. And so this example is kind of why, why do I show up? I've almost been doing the show for a year. Why do I keep showing up? So here's the situation.
So you're on a unit, it's medical surgical, and this unit has been, has had a really amazing team for a long time. And all of a sudden there started to be more and more falls on the unit. So this is a unit that was running like a machine. There were no falls, no patient safety, minimal patient safety issues, I should say, but really it was a machine. And then all of a sudden the falls, patient falls started to increase and management brought staff into the, um, you know, on a staff meeting and showed the graph that said, Hey, for the past six months, we've had zero falls. And now over the past two months, falls are climbing. Look at this graph. Look at, look at this graph of falls increasing. And the manager is giving all kinds of very valid, very evidence-based suggestions to the staff to say, round on your patients, check on them every two hours. When you're in there for a med pass, make sure you say, Hey, do you have to go to the bathroom now? Hey, do you need any ginger ale? Hey, do you need this? Do you need that? Make sure all their needs are met. Then move on to your next patient. If a patient calls out for ginger ale or calls out to go to the bathroom, get in there as fast as you can and move them. Utilize bed alarms. If you hear a bed alarm, run to it, drop everything and go as fast as you can and get in that room. The bed alarm goes off when they get to the edge of the bed and you most for most patients. Um, and so if you can get there as soon as the bed alarm goes off, you can probably catch them before they've had a chance to get out of bed, especially if they move really slowly in bed. And those are all really great. And those are all what the staff had always been doing. And that is why they had zero falls for six months prior, right? So this staff knows exactly what they're doing. But what was left out of the meeting was the fact that this unit has had staff member after staff member leave. Some people went for a different job. Some are um, CNAs had gone back to school for nursing, so they decreased their hours. The staffing race, the nurses had taken on, you know, as nurses left, they had to take on more patients because the number of patients on the unit didn't decrease, but the number of nurses on a shift did. So the nurses are taking care of more patients. They have less CNAs to help them answer call bells. And as this is going on and as this is getting worse, falls are increasing. And the manager went straight to, these are the things that you need to be doing. And the staff is sitting in the meeting and the staff is listening to the manager tell them this. And basically what they're hearing is, I'm not good enough. I know what I'm supposed to do and I'm not doing it good enough. What the heck is going on? The manager left out a key piece of information is that if you had put the graph of falls next to the staffing graph, you would have realized that there was an inverse relationship between falls. So as fall as staffing decreased, falls increased. And is that a result of the nurse or the CNA? Is that their fault? That they're just not fast enough? They're just not smart enough? They're just not efficient enough? No, of course not. I, I mean, isn't an immediate issue um, that could be fixed? Hiring more staff? No, I don't think so. But I think acknowledging it and I think um, not blaming the staff and not letting the staff feel like it was completely their fault that patients were falling really goes a long way. And the reason that I say this is because instead of 
putting together this lovely graph of all of the falls on the unit, what would have been a little bit better was for the manager, if they had been listening to the show, and really took a hard look at what all contributes to falls. Okay, this is what on paper happens, and this is what is evidence-based to prevent falls. My staff clearly knows that how to prevent falls because we went six months without falls. So they were doing an amazing job. And then all of a sudden things took a turn and what was the turn, right? If we're not looking at what was that turn, what was that shift, that moment in time when things changed, if you overlook that, you're never going to get to the bottom of the fall risk. You're never going to solve that issue. Your patients are going to continue to fall and they might, the falls might even climb. In order to really look at this issue, I have put together a total of five different things that five steps essentially that could, that are patient centered and would have fixed the situation and also fixed the staffing issue as well. So let's go through them one by one. And I just want to show you what this work that we're doing here, what does it look like in practice? right? What does it look like to say that staffing is the issue? Well, that's awesome. But like, what do we do with that information? Right. And, um, here's what we do these five steps. So the first thing is that there's increased falls on the unit manager is alerted to it. The very first step is that by themselves before bringing it to staff, the manager needs to took a hard look at the facts. So looking at things like just looking at the falls themselves, right? So look at what types of patients are falling. Are they confused patients? Are they um, patients, surgical patients? Are these patients falling right from the OR? Are these patients falling? Where on the unit are these patients falling? Who are these patients that are falling? Are they elderly? Are they not? Um, and then you want to look at... Um, <clears throat> what time of day are they falling? Are they falling on night shift? Are they falling on, on day shift? Is it a shift issue? Is there any, you know, is it like one or two staff members are having a fall? Is it one patient that's having a lot of falls? <clears throat> um, if you have one patient who's having a lot of falls and they're your culprit, could you do something like get a sitter for that patient? That'd be great. And then someone's right there to help them if they need to go to the bathroom Let's get them to the bathroom. Somebody's right there. If they're super impulsive and getting out of bed, somebody is right there to help them get back in bed. It's a great intervention. Um, you could look at any what was going on on the unit during these falls, right? Looking at those issues. So were increased falls happening at times of emergencies during codes when we're waiting for the full code team from the hospital to come and every it's all hands on deck on the unit to keep somebody alive? Um, is that what's going on? You could look at <clears throat> um, what the staffing is like, right? So this manager on this unit, we already talked about, it was a staffing issue leading to falls, right? So the manager would look at what's staffing like. So the manager could pull themselves the staffing ratios, right? And see, as these patients are falling, I'm noticing there's less and less staff available. So if I'm looking at the staff on the unit, how many bodies are on the unit in the six months when we had no falls? And I'm going to compare it to now while we're having more falls. And you're going to see 
the manager could pick up that inverse relationship by themselves without anybody knowing. So that's the first thing. You know, if the manager found out it was one or two staff members, why even bring this to the whole entire unit's attention? Go to those staff members and say, okay, I'm noticing a lot of falls. Why don't we get you some education on fall risk? What's going on? How can I support you? Um, different, you know, any number of things could, could be going on. And sitting down with that staff member and finding out what is happening and how you can support that. Maybe it's just education, right? Maybe they just need a little bit more education on falls and fall assessments and fall risk interventions. Who knows? And if you could educate that staff member, then you've supported that staff member and they're going to be happy and they're going to tell their friends, this is the best place to work. Come on. If you've educated them and they continue and they continue to not implement the interventions and their patients are still falling and they're still the issue, you could always let them go and fire them, right? They're the one toxic link in the unit. Fire, And then all you go back to having no falls and your patients are safer for it, right? So that's all step one. That can all be done before any meeting goes to the staff member. All the leader can do. And the leader is just coming at this from a, a heart of, my patients have a real safety risk. I need to mitigate this risk. What's going on? I'm going to get to the bottom of it as best I can on my own. The manager is going to come up with limitations because the manager is the manager. The manager is not the nurse on the unit. The manager does not have an assignment. The manager is not dealing one-on-one -on -one with these patients on a regular basis. They're not in the thick of it. They're not in the middle of it. They're not having the expectations put on them. They are not there. They're not the ones who are like, oh, I spend half of my day in the supply closet and calling for supplies because nothing stopped. I spend half of my day on the phone with pharmacy because I can't pass my meds because they're not, the meds are never here and they're never stopped. So there's lots of things that the manager just might not know. And so that's why step number two is the managers analyze the situation to the best of their ability. They've come up with what they believe are issues going on, but they're not even going to present those to the staff until they've sat down with the staff and said, these are the facts. This is the truth of the situation. We have had no falls for six months. And now over the past couple of months, falls are increasing. I'm noticing that. What are you noticing on your end? What are you seeing? What is your experience as the staff on the front lines doing this work? What is it like for you? And have them give you the feedback. Sit there, take notes, take tons of notes and really listen to them. Listen to what they're struggling with. In this particular example, they're going to say, I used to have CNAs and now I'm working by myself and I'm primary, which is you know, every little thing that comes through. So if you're a nurse and you are in charge of assessing patients, giving meds, um, doing interventions like dressing changes, and you are on the hook to get your patient in the bathroom, to get your patient ginger ale and all of these things. But if you have a CNA who can help. So if I'm in giving grandpa Joe his medications and I'm going to take him to the bathroom because I'm right in there and grandma Susie rings out because she needs ginger ale. I have someone who can go and give Grandma Susie ginger ale. My CNA can do that, and I can be here and, and devote all of my attention to Grandpa Joe. And both patients are happy. 
if I'm in taking care of Grandpa Joe and I'm getting him to the bathroom and he is not safe to be left alone because he's confused. Uh, a lot of people in the hospital are and they're very sick, right? And they're confused and they're frail and they're having a hard time walking and they need somebody there with them at all times to go to the bathroom. Awesome. I am there with him. A call bell goes off across the way. If I have more staff on the unit, I don't have to I don't have the dilemma of do I run because that patient's getting up and is going to be unsafe or do I stay with Grandpa Joe because if I leave Grandpa Joe, he's now going to be unsafe, right? So which is unsafe? Which is more unsafe? Um, they'll tell the manager those kinds of things and the manager can really understand the struggle because you know what? If the manager's listening to their struggle, the manager is kind of getting a glimpse at why people are leaving the unit, Right. Because this is the moment when people have left. People leave on for innocent reasons. You can have a perfectly staffed unit and then people leave because they graduated nursing school. Now they're going to work as a nurse. Now you're short of CNA. You might have gained a nurse on your unit, but you're short of CNA. People might leave because their CNAs are gone back to school. Nurses are gone back to school. Um, people are just, maybe they've really wanted to work in home health and they're like, I finally got that job that I've been waiting for since nursing school and they got it. I mean, there's lots of happy, happy reasons why people will leave a unit. It's not always bad, but when you get to this point where it's really affecting your staff in this way and you, you have a choice, you could go to blame or you could go straight to support. It's the managers who go to support you're going to keep and retain the staff you have, right? And you're going to have their buy-in and you're going to be able to fix this situation together because a situation like this, it can't be fixed by the staff alone and it can't be fixed by the manager alone because if you have burnt out and bitter staff, they're not going to work harder to meet your needs and wait for you to hire people, right? You need, you need the support. You need to work together as a team because you are a team. And so once the manager on those lines, once the manager has listened to staff, now they sit together in that meeting and come up with a plan. Manager can then show them the graph to be like, I totally recognize that as staffing has decreased, falls have increased. I'm hearing that you guys are feeling that stress and you guys are doing the best that you can. And I know you know what you're doing because for the past six months until we started losing staff members, you've been doing great. And so I need you to continue to do great. Let's come up with a plan. Maybe when the call bell rings and someone needs ginger ale, the unit secretary can bring the ginger ale. Maybe um, the manager could say, while I'm hiring people, why don't I reach out to other units and offer overtime and people can pick up and help out on the unit just to be here for us. Um, why don't we, you know, if we're, if it's really that serious, why don't we cap the amount of patients we're taking on our unit so that we're not overwhelming you? You know, you can do different things, um, as from a leadership standpoint to support your staff. And then the staff can be like, they're like, yeah, that's what you're going to do. All right. Awesome. I'm going to be on point. I'm going to be there. I'm going to support. I'm going to sit with, you know, let's all have a huddle. Let's meet with my CNA. Let's make a plan on, how we're going to stagger this, like I'll take care of, you know, X, Y, Z. I have a med pass, so I'm going to need your support during this time. And I know that my CNA has a higher workload as I do. So when their busy time is, all right, awesome. I will, I will pick up your slack. Like, what do you need from me? Let's communicate and come up with a plan that both the manager leaves the meeting with an action plan and action items that they can do to rectify the staffing issue. 
And then the staff have things that they can do to kind of help and support the manager in the meantime. All of this is in the spirit of you have a real patient safety issue. Your patients are falling. Your patients are getting hurt. How can we minimize that? We're not looking at it as, oh, it's your fault. It's your fault. Whose fault is it? Who's to blame? And that person, it's not me, it's you. Um, You're just not good enough. You know, what have you? You wouldn't have hired them if they weren't good enough. And if they were, then that's a different conversation and a different episode, right? So step number three is come up with a plan together. Step number four is at the next staff meeting, let's look at our interventions. Let's check on the followers. Did they decrease? Did they increase? Let's check on the staffing graph. Have we hired anyone new? What are we doing to hire people? What have we done in the past? How many ever, whatever your staff is, your staff meeting monthly. What is, what have, what has the leadership done in the past month to hold up their end of the bargain on that action plan from the past meeting? And then staff can chime in and say what they have been doing, what they have been seeing, what things have been like, and anything else that they feel, you know, and then you end the meeting with what else can we do? to go forward. Is the plan working? Awesome. Let's keep at it. Is the plan not working? Awesome. What pivots do we have to make? And then step five is repeat. You repeat the process until you're back to zero falls, right? You might think, I think, you know, staff might be like, I need this from you. And you might say, I need this from you, staff. And you guys go out there and try it and it bombs. So then you come back to the drawing board and you say, all right, here's where we're at. This is what we've tried. We're more knowledgeable this time around. Let's let's try this instead. And you keep working together until you figure it out. Because until you realize that management and leadership isn't about setting expectations and enforcing them, it's more about... These are the expectations on the unit as we decide them together, right? Because yeah, there has to be, you know, you have to show up to work. You have to dress in the dress code inappropriately. You know, um, you have to do your work while you're there, right? You can't be sitting on your phone. Like there are certain things that do need to be enforced. So yes, a leader is there to, to lead and enforce expectations. Absolutely. But what we miss because healthcare is run on an authoritarian system, right? It's I set the, which means that I, as in upper management leadership, I set expectations and I tell you what to do and I enforce them. And that is how it goes. But leadership and what we're missing and what that whole entire system lacks is the most important part of leadership. And leadership is when we work together is when you guide and when you support your staff members, because you guys have a common goal. And that is to take care of and love on these patients, right? Hospital would go under if they had no patients. If not one patient walked through the door, the hospital would go under. I don't care who's paying their bill. I don't care if insurance is paying that patient's bill. I don't care if the government is giving you incentives. I don't care if you are getting Medicare money. It does not matter unless the patient comes there. Anthem is not going to give you money if you have not treated any of the patients that hold any of their plans, right? So the patient is number one, right? And 
we need to be taking care of the patient. That has to be the number one goal. And we have to work together to get that done, right? Things go a long way. So the units that and the leaders that work in the first way where they say there's increased falls on this unit, I'm going to go and you come at it more of a blaming type of situation. Like you guys are having more falls. You guys need to do this. You guys need to do that. And by you guys, I mean the staff, right? That's going to lead to more people being stressed, more people being discouraged and more people ultimately leaving because they feel like they're failing in the position. And they're like, I'm not cut out for this. This is not for me. I'm out. I'm burnt out and I'm out and they will leave. But the second one, the second leader who is like, we have an issue. What can we do to fix it? We are here to treat these patients and to have a safe healthcare system. We have a role in that. And let's work on this together. That's the that is the leader that is going to have full buy-in from all of their staff. And that's the leader who's going to not only maintain their staff that they have, but they're going to have an easier time recruiting staff and keeping staff. You know, I mean, how many units, how many hospitals right now have sign-on bonuses of like $20,000, $2,000, whatever thousand dollars they're giving? And then that's not even enough, they realized, because they were getting people to come in and take the side, like, yeah, I'll take 20 grand to work for you. Awesome. They go through orientation and then they realize what they're actually dealing with. And they're dealing with manager number one. And they're like, no, I'm on, no, I'm out. And they leave and they go find another place to work. So now hospitals are saying, okay, I'll pay you a $20,000 sign-on bonus, but in order to get it, you have to work with us for six months. You have to work with us for a year. I'm going to give you that $20,000 over the course of three years. And they think, there, there we go. I nailed it. That's how I'm going to keep people. But you know what? You're not keeping people because people still aren't staying. They're still getting through orientation and they're seeing what it's like on the unit and they're working for leader number one. And they're like, no, $20,000, there's no amount of money that I'm going to do this for. This is not good for my mental health. This is not good for my physical health, my spiritual health. And at the very least, this is not worth me losing my license over and having to work in retail or at McDonald's or in accounting or switch a whole something else because you now can't work as a nurse because you've been in an unsafe situation and asked to take on unsafe patient care, right? Um, and your employer jeopardized your license and you allowed them to. So um, no amount of money is going to fix it, really. I know there's nurses right now in California that are asking for more money. They actually have pretty good deals out there. So maybe more money will fix their issues. But for the rest of us who don't have mandatory staffing ratios, who don't have some of those luxuries, um, leader number two, leader number two is the way to go. Address leader number two, and then let's talk money. Maybe we don't even, maybe, I mean, everybody wants more money, but you know what? It might not become as big of an issue. Um, so what are we doing here, right? I hope kind of the example that I showed today is really, really maybe sits home, like hits home with you that that's what we're doing here. 
right? We're creating safe healthcare. If we don't create safe healthcare on our own, that's when the legal system gets involved. That's when medical malpractice comes along. If you don't fix the falls on your unit and prevent them and work together and get aggressive about it, one of those patients that falls is going to sue you and you're going to be on the wrong side of a medical malpractice lawsuit. And I've seen that. That's how I became part of the monster that I am and why I started this podcast is because I'm getting asked as a legal nurse to review cases and I'm like, oh my gosh, this could have so easily been prevented. And this is exactly how it could have been prevented. And instead, the hospital isn't even addressing it. They're just settling. They're just handing out money to the family and saying, okay, we messed up. Here you go. And leader number one is continuing to run the show. People are continuing to get hurt. Hospitals are putting in their budget medical malpractice settlements. Like what is happening? We should be prioritizing patient safety. We should be doing all that we can to keep patients safe regardless of if they're suing us or not, right? It should just be because they deserve to be safe, right? If my, when my Nana was in the hospital, I wanted her to be safe. Did I sue? No, because who am I going to sue? The nurse that was taking care of my Nana, I, it wasn't her problem. And I, it, it was a, it was a systemic issue, right? But I would have never won the case on that issue. So it's really hard. And I really see, I really see the situation from the patient standpoint and the family standpoint. And then you look at it from the healthcare professional standpoint and there's this whole dichotomy and the nurse really just wants to do a good job. They just want to be there. They just want to love people. When I ask my nursing students, why did you become a nurse? They're so bright eyed and they're like, because I just love taking care of people because I just love people and I just want to love people. And that's why we, most of us became a nurse. It wasn't because of the hours. It wasn't because of the money. It was because we just want to care for people because we care about people and we need the whole system to buy. We need the whole system on the same page. And that is the page of how do we love people? How do we keep people safe? And that's what we're doing here. That's why I tell the honest truth. That's why I bring on the guests that I do. That's why I talk about the cases that I do in the way that I do. It's not to shame anybody. It's not to blame anybody. It's because I want to shift more leaders like leader number one. I want to shift them over to be leader number two. And I want more leaders like leader number two out there. And I hope that letting more nurses know that they're seen and heard and they're not alone, maybe more of them will step up and become more leader number twos, right? Um, That's where we're headed, folks. That's what this podcast is all about. And if you're on board and this is your mission as well, feel free to reach out to me. Please do share this podcast, um, especially this episode, right? Because share it with your manager, share it with your leaders, share it anonymously, just share it on your social media, um, share it, get it out there, get it to other people. Um, feel free to rate and review the podcast. Feel free to send me feedback. Feel free to send me your, um, stories, good or bad. Um, I get a lot of stories that are bad. Um, you know, 
issues that have happened, errors that have happened. But if you, if you have really great leadership and you have a really great story and you're where you're, where you work has an amazing setup and they're serving people so, so, so well. Um, I want to hear about it. I want to share your story. I want to share as many of those stories as I do, um, bad stories. If you're a healthcare leader and you want to talk and you want to tell your side of the story, reach out. I'm here. And until next time, just love people. Take care guys. Hey there. This is the part of the podcast where I get to make my lawyer smile. And I get to tell you that the purpose of this podcast is for educational purposes only. I am not a lawyer and therefore not your lawyer or giving you any kind of legal advice as well as I am a nurse, but I am not your nurse. And so I am not giving you any medical advice either. Take this information as educational and consult your doctor or your legal counsel as you see fit.